2: I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel.
3: Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions and more. Specters, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or robots, and um. With me, as usual, N7, legend. Hey, N7, Sam, do you know what episode this is? Yeah, this is episode number 50. Number 50. Do you know how many weeks there are in a year?
2: I think there's something like 52.
3: 52. So today, as we record this live, as is our new pattern here, tonight we were recording 50 and then 51, which will be released this week. Which is, because we had to miss a few over the last year, actually coincides with the wrapping up of a year since we launched this show. That's kind of nuts.
2: Yeah, I can't believe it. I I actually can't believe that, like... It has already been a year like and just to like, let's let's look back at the the history of legends, technological issues Uh, a year, a year ago. You know, I was recording this on my MacBook, uh, my 2012
3: MacBook Pro. Yes, yes. And And remember, remember the weird delays we would get? with the oh my god with the calls and then the macbook and then oh who knows what was causing that but like you would say something that i have to wait and then there'd be these yes we had we had all the technological issues we've solved so many of those we've come such a long way we're we're it living is, in the future
2: it's been a hell of a ride commander
3: yeah yeah man the show the show is turning 1 year old this is the last week before it it officially turns 1 and um so we, we have what I guess is going to be the last two episodes, this one and the next one, before we kick off a new series of episodes. So what are we covering for these last two episodes?
2: Yeah, right. Big time of transformation. We could consider this episode an advent of the new era of the Mass Effect lore cast. Uh, this is going to be a two part episode. Yeah. So and, and it's going to focus on the Citadel Council. Uh, so in the first part of this two part episode, we're going to talk about uh, the form of the Citadel Council. We're going to talk more about the format and where they from where they get their authority, how much sway they actually hold over the galaxy, just really like an overall basis, like an outside establishing shot of the Citadel Council. And then Mm -hmm. in the second part, we're going to get more into the nitty gritty. We're going to talk more about the specific decisions that they've made, the specific laws they've enacted that have made these huge ramifications in the galaxy and just who the counselors are. Um, But as you mentioned, we are transitioning from the factions episodes toward the individual ones. So the Citadel Council is kind of a great in between. It's a great bridge. Right. Right. And And by
3: individual ones, you mean individual characters.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we I don't know how many comments you've read, but I've read a ton that have been like, oh, you got to cover Garris. you got to cover Anderson. you right. got to cover so and so. I mean,
3: personally, I was thinking we were just going to skip Garris. We just do everybody but Garris, because I'm sure everybody would be OK with that. He's not a fan favorite or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like that. I don't think half the Internet would want our heads or anything You're like, like that. What the what are you doing? We're like, yeah, we just decided no, no Garris on this show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something something like that. I, I think we might even like be invoking the wrath of the Internet and just joking about that.
3: Yeah, I think two girls uh, would just come over and murder us in our sleep.
2: No, probably awake. Like We, we need to be awake to, to experience. The oh, I
3: mean, yeah, they would. Yeah, they would just kill us straight up Garrus Batman style. That's that's probably more like it. <laughs> Where's he? Where's Garrus? <laughs> <laughs> Bring me my favorite. Bring him now. I will gut you. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't realize you ladies could talk in that low, deep voice. That's very, very scary coming out of those those faces. Um, anyway, uh, so why don't we kick this off? Let's get into it.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the, the factions were not quite done yet, but this is about it. Um I guess to go over the Citadel Council, we got to go over the basics first. So let's go back, let's go back uh, about 2000 years, 2000 plus years to be exact to 500 BC. Mm. Uh, This is when the Asari find the Citadel around that time. And then the Salarians find the Citadel, both of them find the Citadel independently of each other. Uh, But when they meet at the Citadel, the Asari suggest forming a cross-governmental cooperative body. Uh, that was which nice of them. Could be like this new, you know. I imagine it was probably like there. There had to have been like some conspiracy theories about new world orders and, and things like that at the time, because you're coordinating a new government with a new alien race that you just met.
3: Yeah, I'm sure there were some uh, uh, people to quell on both sides of the equation. Yeah. Uh,
2: you know, that's speculation, but I'm sure that there was, um, anyway, the, the founding of this kind of the council is this momentous occasion. It's, it's incredibly, incredibly like huge. And I think even at the time they know that, um, and they find, they found this Citadel council on the Citadel as this new galactic order because, and it is thanks to the Citadel's position as it's 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 a local it's a central hub for all the mass relays for the entire mass relay network mm-hmm. and then because of that the citadel becomes this galactic capital of politics trade uh later becomes the center of uh entertainment and media and culture things like that you could call it the carthage of its futuristic setting or, future, or retro Rome,
3: futuristic. i mean all roads you know
2: all roads lead to Rome, all relays lead to the Citadel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah that, that might be a very apt um, comparison. And this um, shaping of the Citadel under the, under the guide of the Citadel Council, the shaping of the Citadel as this hub, it sets it up, it sets up so many power dynamics in this series. It sets up all of these exploratory events, wars, struggles, you know, all of the events that we basically know from Mass Effect all come back to this because without the Citadel Council purposefully making the Citadel be galactic hub, you wouldn't have so many of these stories you probably wouldn't even have the story of Zaid and Vito Santiago. You wouldn't have the story of Garrus being so, you know, discouraged with the law and then going to Omega and becoming this vigilante. You wouldn't have those stories. So it's, it's impact cannot be understated.
3: uh, Yeah. To jump in here. I I have to wonder if you would even have nearly the level of cooperation inter, uh, inter race wise at all. Without a central hub like this to coordinate that. Right.
2: It, it facilitates the development and it arranges like the necessary infrastructure for the growth of the Milky Way's species. And it does this for like millennia.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and- with, Without something like this, you would have needed the creation of a place like this for everybody to gather in. And that would have taken a lot longer for them to build themselves. But the fact that it was already there for them to use meant that it furthered it along a lot faster.
2: Right. Convenient, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Because Mm. it's exactly, and we know this from what Sovereign tells us in the end of Mass Effect 1, it is exactly what the Reapers intended. You know, the Protheans, they did the same thing after gaining space flight from the inu Sanin, off of the inu Sanin's technology and, and relics and ruins. Um, so the, the Protheans also stood on the shoulders of giants. Right. And then it's, they found the citadel.
3: It's like being uh, little rats in a maze. Uh, the rats um, are like different rats. has all started on different sides of the maze. But then they were all kind of guided right to the center of the maze. And they were like, oh, look, this maze conveniently moves us all right to the middle. And there's this thing right in the middle that we can all share. This is nice yeah it's like it's th- weird it's like the thing was just laid here by something before us hmm i wonder if there's a reason oh well
2: <laughs> despite my lack of phalanges i am still just an alien in the reaper's
3: cage <laughs> oh god <laughs> i wonder how many people are gonna get that that's a that's like a two-layer joke <laughs> <laughs> i stayed up all night thinking about that one yeah um yeah. Mm-hmm
2: so you know and and, and like i said you, you, we cannot understate the impact of of them forming this council uh, as the central hub and they like i think just a little little thing nominally or like when you look at it it's probably just two lines of text in the lore but it has such massive implications is that the galaxy rewrites their calendars around this event like they they have new calendars called the galactic standard calendar and now year zero marks the founding of the citadel council Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: not when the asari found the citadel
3: but the creation of the council do the years uh is a year based on a revolution of the citadel That's actually interesting
2: that you should bring that up uh-huh. the, about time, because they have an explanation in the lore about how they calculated the time. Yeah. Cause I mean, and you'd have to standardize that as well. It is. It's a mathematical standard standardization, and we will actually get to that in the next episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but, and I, I promise that there is an explanation and, uh, us humans might be interested to, to hear about it, but, um, it's viewed some of, uh, of an advent of a new era, the, fe- the, the creation of this Citadel council, um, uh, because it's, a, it's this new era of what I imagine the Asari are hoping is a utopic type of cooperation an era of, you know, cross species coordination. Mm-hmm. And given that the Salarians are not, a outwardly hostile, It probably seems pretty doable.
3: Of course. I mean, it's all going to work out perfectly. I don't see any reason why it would fall apart.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there are reasons. Um, And the council may have precipitated some of them. Um, But each of each of the council species, has general characteristics, typical of what we've learned about their cultures by the time the player character meets them in Mass Effect 1. And in, in my opinion, they serve as a representative for what we should think of each of the races in the beginning. And notice I said that the, the council was founded by the Asari and the Salarians. It wasn't until later that the Turians came in and we kind of discussed this in a previous episode, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, By the beginning of Mass Effect 1, it's the Salarians, the Asari, and the Turians on the Council. And the Asari very clearly are supposed to be level-headed diplomats and mediators. The Salarians, very shadowy, even from their hooded, you know, the the Dalatras' hooded appearance, uh, gathering intelligence and information, very cautious, never want to act before the intelligence has a chance to confirm something. And the Turians are are brutish. I don't want to say brutish like krogan but brutish as in stern rigid mm-hmm. military peacekeeping forces right
3: not um, not brutish as in dull and dim-witted
2: right brutish right. as in uh disciplined and militaristic right um and so each of these races in the, on the council their counselors represent the associated characteristics with that race i think um that was probably just a gameplay mechanic in my opinion and they fleshed it out a little bit later um, but because if you remember the first aliens that we have to really put a name with a face, some of the first are mm-hmm. the, uh, are the Citadel council.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's an easy way to kind of designate and remember groups. Kind it of, is it's yeah. easy, you know, buckets to fill. Yeah.
2: Um, And so basically, when we back up and and now we look at it from what is the council by the end or by the beginning of Mass Effect one, by the very first Mass Effect, we can conclude that they are this overarching government in the Milky Way.
3: And with the whole galaxy, like, I mean, we're, we're still only talking about three of the races here. Like they've decided that they're the ones running it at this point, right?
2: That's yes um yes but also no so it's the question of jurisdiction is a very applicable one because for all intents and purposes the citadel council is the head honcho in the galaxy there's no single entity that's greater besides the reapers that could really challenge them i I suppose if the the pirate bands and the gangs in the terminus systems all banded together under one banner but the council has covert operations that are actively dispelling such a thing and that's messy we can get into that a little bit later but the point is their authority has limits um, mm-hmm. their authority has limits and even the council cannot control those places at the fringes of citadel space like the terminus systems and so Termin- citadel space is the term that mass effect uses to designate the bounds of council authority, the geographical bounds. Um, And yet it's a very loosely defined term. So I did my research to try to see if I can define this as best for us as I can. And it's interestingly not what you would think. Um, When you think of Citadel space, you probably are envisioning a map of the Milky Way Mm -hmm. and then trying to draw like a straight line border around what the citadel council controls kind of like a,
3: right? a, a like a glob like a like a bubble like a, like an amoeba shape you know like a three-dimensional <laughs> amoeba around like a three-dimensional yeah. model of the you, you know what i'm saying like have yeah, you ever so seen one of those star maps like for like star wars or something where they're like this is the part the empire was like blah 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 blah, blah, blah and this is the outer rim over here you know like that kind of thing
2: that is what you would think And yet it's it's even more abstract than that Um, because there are no official Citadel Council borders. Instead, the lore tells us that the quote unofficial term referring to any region of space controlled by a species that acknowledges the authority of the Citadel Council. But you remember how I said yes and no? Mm -hmm. Let's keep in mind that the galaxy is huge, even with faster than light. Uh, starship technology. And according to the codex, the codex says, quote, at first glance, it appears this territory, Citadel space, encompasses most of the galaxy. But in reality, however, less than 1% of those stars systems have been explored. So it's very, it's a lot of empty <laughs> space that no one really knows what's going on in. This makes sense. Yeah. Because the, uh, there aren't really any rest stops or gas stations to pull off along the highway and the highway is even a bad metaphor because mass relays are point to point. They're not this, this, uh, path that you can travel along. It's just a point to point teleportation thing.
3: Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. When you think about the, the sheer scale of the size of the galaxy and the number of mass relays they would need to need to have, you would, you would need one at every star. Yeah. Like, you would you would just in order to actually explore all of all of space in a, uh, you know, an actual standard amount of time that would be, you know, good for any regular race (laughs) to be able to do within a few lifetimes, like you would need a mass relay on every every single star. Right. And the, the
2: distance between some mass relays is so massive that even with FTL tech, it would take like way too long to travel that conventionally. Yeah. So yeah. who the hell knows what's at the byway point? Right. You know, Yeah. Uh, the, the, the by sector.
3: Yeah. Um, there could be hundreds so- of thousands of other races out there that most of these races have never even heard of, will never even engage with within, you know, regular lifespans. And yet the Citadel council,
2: a body that these races may have never heard of lay claim to that territory. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. so it's this very loosely defined thing where, you know, it it refers to any region of space controlled by a species that acknowledges the authority of the Citadel council. Sure. It's very, it, it's, it's vague and it leaves a lot of room for, um, uh, you know, uh geographical contests and it's also worth noting that with the mass relays the user being the pilots they stay within the confines of pre-programmed destinations
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: so they're only ever going places the reapers want them to go right right yeah yeah
3: yeah it would it would take um a very long time (laughs) to to get to the point where they could explore all that other empty space. Okay, so now that we know the limits of the Council's reach based on the size of the galaxy and all that, what about them as like a body? How many members do they have and who's represented? So
2: the Council is made up of one counselor from each Council race. And like I said at the beginning of Mass Effect 1, that's one uh, one Asari, one Salarian and one Turian. And so we have a multi-headed governmental body. They are all co-rulers in this head, which is a form of government that we call diarchies, um, are there any real world examples that come to your mind? Like about
3: diarchy diarchies? Uh, well, i mean, like, uh, the Roman triumvirate would be a yes. type of diarchy. Um, they're, they're not typical because they're, they're very hard to manage, um, Something like uh, uh, the um, split of power among, um, you know, the executive branch, the legislative branch, the judicial branch is kind of like that without a specific head of individual branches. So like the executive branch is the only one that actually has a figurehead of the branch, whereas even though the legislative branch has like a, a leader of the House and, and a leader of the Senate, it doesn't mean that those people are the like the individual leaders of those groups the group still has to vote as a whole so it technically doesn't fall under the same kind of diarchy system but you still have a division of power across three branches um yeah yeah but and yeah sorry Go there ahead.
2: are there are myths too and and other stories that we've heard in in, in the current conversation cultural conversation about um about brother kings or two people that would try to share a kingdom with equal authority and it
3: almost never works out. No, it's yeah, it's it's pretty tricky. You know, even even with three groups, all you have to have is two people make a deal with each other and then they always outvote the third. You know, it it's it's a tricky system.
2: Right. So it is somewhat remarkable that the Asari and the Turians haven't tried to edge out the Salarians or vice versa and any combination of the three. Mm-hmm. Um And so, and initially, like I said, it is just the Asari and Salarians. And then as a result of the Krogan rebellions, the Turians are invited as a, as the bulk of peacekeeping forces. So they're like, you know, the enforcers, the Turians, and that's why they're invited on. And then after Sovereign, Saren and the Geth launch this massive assault on the Citadel in Mass Effect 1, humanity is invited too depending on Shepard's choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everyone else, nada. No, nothing.
3: So. Yeah, that's... I mean, it, it is crazy to think that humanity made it <laughs> like that far, being that they were so new. Um, so I remember our conversations about the Volus becoming a client race of the Turians. Remember that? Uh, and some of the aliens being resentful of humanity getting a seat at the table because they, they joined so quickly after discovering it, you know, the Citadel and all of that. Um, so, what does all that mean for the council as a whole?
2: Uh, well, who let who the council lets in and who they don't has massive implications for the entire series in terms of legislative representation, legitimacy, and authority, uh, interpersonal politics. I mean, you name it. This is a um, not a great system that they have. To make everyone feel included and although some people might scoff and laugh at that that oh you know who cares if others feel included or not it turns out when you are trying to govern a population of people and they don't feel like they have a say in the future they can get kind of pissed off yeah yeah (laughs) not a great recipe for stability and tons of things happen that threaten the stability of the uh you know established galactic order in mass effect but that is another can of worms so we can probably hop into the mid break first
3: all right so we'll we'll hold on to that we'll get back to that after we thank our patrons so we'll be right back i am so excited about our sponsor this week marvel strike force i freaking love marvel comics growing up i collected comics and the trading cards and i've seen anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff. And thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that.
3: All right, so here we are in the middle of the show, and we get to thank our new patron, Becky, for signing up. Becky, thanks for joining the Patreon, and thank you to all of our patrons. We currently have 46 patrons supporting the show. Thank you to every single one of you guys, and a big, big thank you to our Tier 5 shepherd. Level Patrons, Hool the Fool, Apollo, and Pipe Man. Thank you to the three of you, and especially just all of you. I mean, I I can't go through everybody's names every show, but... I, I would if I could. The shows would be a lot longer, but thank you to every everybody. And if we've done anything to help you get through your work day, your commute to work, your workout, or cleaning up the dog poop all over your floor. Because while you were on a Zoom work call today, the dog decided to try to take a poo and the poo stuck to the dog's furry butt. And then the dog decided to come into the office and rub its butt all over the floor. And then you had to cut your work meeting short in order to clean up the dog's butt, and also the poo all over the floor, then go to patreon.com slash mass effect where you can check out all the different tiers and you can get things like ad free episodes or, you know, t-shirts or join us on future epi- episodes of the show. All sorts of things that are way more enjoyable than cleaning up dog poop. So uh, th- thanks again to all of our patrons. And um, please, 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 if you get the time or you just have the opportunity, please tell your friends about the show if they enjoy Mass <laughs> effect and take the opportunity to also leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, that's it for the mid break for today, unless you have something else you want to throw in there, Sam. Well, I checked again
2: today and uh, we finally passed the 200 rating mark yes. on Spotify yes. and yes. we're still at 4.9 stars, so I uh, I feel pretty amazing about that.
3: Yeah. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Thank you to everybody who takes time to do that. That really does help move us up the rankings because that stuff does matter, especially on Spotify. Now, the getting the average up and getting the number of reviews up moves us up in search results. So thank you so much for that. All right. Let's move on with the rest of the show.
0: Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought.
3: So, OK, so we're talking about membership to the council and how that doesn't seem to be particularly even for every race. More thoughts yeah, on what's, that. Yeah, like what's, what's that?
2: What's that uh, Orwell quote about uh, from from Animal Farm? Not all animals are created equal or mm-hmm, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I got to brush up in my Orwell, I guess. Yeah, it's been a but, little while. at any rate it's uh yeah it's exclusive um and and so any species who who is granted an embassy on the citadel is considered what they call an associate member so they're not a council race but they are an associate member
3: it's like a tier one patron but they didn't pay for the upgrade (laughs)
2: we should we should um rename them associate associate members that's
3: our associate member status
2: yes (laughs) and then there's a there's a hanar tier there's an elcor tier there's a volus tier Um, oh (laughs) oh no um i would feel wrong putting the hanar below or above the elcor Uh, i mean the volus
3: are clearly higher than both of them right (laughs) oh superior and and all (laughs) in all ways um that's our top (laughs) tier now the volus tier
2: now we should i'm thinking we should rename tier six to volus volus
3: danny devolus danny devolus tier yep yes and there's only one Um, only one once that's taken nobody else can take it there is only one danny devolus yeah um, you become danny danny devolus if you sign up for tier six we'll ship you a rebreather
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding we, we don't we don't really have the funds for that um I
3: mean, if you sign up for tier six we might
2: <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um regardless uh the associate members of the council they they can they can bring up issues like re- they can redress their grievances to the council uh, the counselors but it doesn't mean that they're going to have any input on the issues when they are decided upon so basically they can just be like excuse me sir uh this is going on
3: <laughs> yeah tap 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 uh, tap 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 excuse me excuse me yeah
2: yeah um and uh but but then they're like okay cool thanks and then then the counselors can decide whether to even address it or not Mm -hmm. um and so that begs the question who are associate members well we already listed a couple of them the volus elcor hanar and drill are all considered associate members they have embassies on the citadel but they're not council races
3: yeah you know what it is i think i think people just they just don't find them as attractive unfortunately
2: Right. speak for yourself that uh the, that uh elephant manatee hybrid race that speaks in in complete monotonous <laughs> sentences i mean
3: i'm not but. saying i don't find them as attractive i'm just saying you know the uh inter uh stellar gold tiktok people groups where are we going they, with this they don't trend <laughs> they don't trend as much on there <laughs> It's all the, all the hot Turian picks. Those are the ones that it's, get the it's most. It's a conspiracy. They get the, the deep most state. Views. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I demand equal representation for the Elcor. Uh, but I mean, that,
3: if you haven't ta- checked out some of the Hot Hanar stuff, oh no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's gotta be. There's um. There, there's gotta be. I don't really want to dive into that. No pun intended um uh, I'm sure there is there,
3: I'm not talking are, I'm not talking like eh, not safer works I'm just talking like models you know like the, the really look good looking people doing awesome stuff on vacation locations you know right in like Forex. Yeah, yeah 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 like yeah 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 <laughs> like you know partying <laughs> it up with models and suits and race cars you know that, that live in the live in the life that kind of stuff well there's there is blasto uh, There's Blasto. Blasto is a
2: celebrity. Um, but, you know, if you think the Volus, Elcor, Elcor, Hanar, and Drell have it rough, then you should see who are not associate members. That includes the Korians. The Korians were actually stripped of their embassy. Meaning that they were stripped of their associate member status because they had created the geth. They had created a true AI and broken. Uh, they had well, flagrantly broken um, intergalactic law forbidding artificial intelligence.
3: It's kind of a big no-no.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, as we've discussed in previous episodes, that's that's a recipe for disaster. And uh, and the Citadel Council was not happy about that. And another race that is not an associate member anymore are the Krogan. Krogan were stripped of that privilege after the rebellions after. And, and we'll get into a little bit uh, more about the rebellions and how the council had their hands in that. Mm-hmm. The other race who are not associate members are the Batarians, but it's a different scenario here because the, the Batarians willfully left. So they forfeit their embassy because after this human colonization, uh, conflict in the Scalian verge, and then the council ultimately ruled along the side of humanity saying that humanity had the right to colonize where they were. Um, after that conflict, the Batarians were like, oh, okay, I see you're going to take you're gonna take humanity's side mm-hmm. okay well then you know up yours we're going to withdraw uh we're going to become a complete isolationist rogue state mm-hmm. yeah
3: but but and how would how would they have said it though probably in a deep muffled voice yeah and what would that sound
0: like, <laughs> like <this. laughs>
3: okay so so say it again
0: of yours we are withdrawing
3: (laughs)
2: okay that's that's yeah i I gotta work on my batarian impression that's Um, that's pretty good that's pretty good maybe i can find some voice modulators but um (laughs) yeah they they uh resort to becoming a complete rogue state the batarians do and not every batarian but the batarian government um and and what does this mean for the races who are not you know the batarians the i would say the Vorcha. But the Vorcha don't really seem capable of organizing beyond anything except for tribes and mm-hmm. loose tribes at that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that the Vorcha are even interested in having an embassy. And even if they were, I, I don't think that's a realistic possibility.
3: No, um, no, it doesn't seem like it. They're they're regenerative space worms. <laughs> that yeah. can talk. Yeah, I don't think they're really interested in communicating with anyone else on much of a. Much of a level of anything, really, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah.
2: Would you like to have an embassy on the on the council? Oh. You have to sign these papers. No.
3: <laughs> Let's discuss intergalactic economics. At least. <laughs> Can
2: okay. you imagine, like a vorcha econ professor? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: I want to learn more about your history and culture. No.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, okay.
2: All right. <laughs> Listen, we, we cannot print more money that's going to flood the economy. It's <laughs> going to send inflation through the roof. solid points, I totally agree.
3: <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> more gold coins. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, he, aggressively, he aggressively agrees with me, wonderful. <laughs> Vorcha
2: economists, the world's top uh, experts. Um, <laughs> I think they'd probably be more Keynesian. Uh, That's a different, that's a topic for a different,
3: different podcast. (laughs) The Fortune fortune Economics Podcast. That is a very specific niche. Very
2: niche. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's probably why they're not included on the conversations. Um, And the other people who are not included on the conversations who we just mentioned, the Corians, the Krogan, the Batarians. So what does this mean for them? Well, it means that they're not considered in any of the binding resolutions. It means they're not considered in any of the laws or research and development, the resolutions, the executive orders. There's no representation for them in the council's, not not just on the council, but in the council's consideration. Like they're not on any type of political standing. So they don't really mm-hmm. have even a method of redressing grievances that apply to them with the council, they yeah. don't have an in, yeah, whatsoever.
3: yeah. Um, so um you've mentioned the legislative side, the the lawmaking slide um, a couple of times so far. So why is that important, and how much power does the council actually have in regards to that?
2: That's a that's a great question, and you know about jurisdiction supremacy, legislative priorities, that kind of thing. The Council actually has very very little legitimate power, if any, over all of the individual species governments. So the Turian hierarchy, Solarian Union, uh, the the Asari, the uh, humanity. um, The Council doesn't have supreme authority over them. Like, say, the United States federal government has supreme authority over a state government. So
3: it's more of like a confederacy. Right. Kind of.
2: And, And it gets very messy. So but what does this mean? Well, according to the codex, the quote, the council's decisions carry great weight throughout the galaxy, though. So no single council race is strong enough to defy the other two, meaning. Asari versus Turin, Slarin, or Slarin versus the others. Right. And all of them have a vested interest in compromise and cooperation. So I'm guessing the Codex is just referencing those three because those are the three lawmaking races. Mm-hmm. Right. In so they terms can't, of
3: None of them everything. can stronghand any of the others, basically. Right. Solo we. But solo we. Um, I just said solo like by themselves. Um, so, okay. So then what authority do they actually have?
2: yeah this this part is like really messy so i mean i need everyone to bear with me for a second all right hold on one hold on to your diabetes babies we're getting hold into, on to, your, hold on to your butts we're getting into authority and legitimacy in government um they cannot override any one species government the council but the individual governments can't really stand to go against everyone else So there's a lot of room for legislative gridlock here. What happens if one of the individual governments passes a law that the council doesn't necessarily agree with? Do they have to strike it? Is it just like kind of an honor system thing? I have a lot of questions here. Um, Probably the universe was set up this way by the writers because it lends more space for interesting stories if everything was very clear cut protocol and there were no conflicts that's pretty boring yeah yeah
3: um, it's also not realistic right i mean think it's about it's very not realistic think about any time you've had a group of nations try to cooperate in any specific way you, it never goes it never goes that simply you know, some nations cooperate well, but not all nations, <laughs> like.
2: And the other thing is, do you really think that they'd get any of the uh, alien races on board on to like signing on to this whole idea of the Citadel space if they had to willfully relinquish sovereignty over their own people?
3: Oh, sure. Yeah. No, like nobody's going to do that. Definitely not. Right.
2: There would be massive protests, revolutions like hell no. Right. Right. Um, And especially not considering the Asari are supposed to be the pillar of democracy, right? They have this synthetic democracy going on. Um, That's one of the reasons why it's messy. Number two, this is an authority that we know that they do have. They have a treaty making authority. They can they can prepare treatises and they act as mediators in conflicts. These don't always have to be active firing at each other conflicts. Sometimes their colonization fluid feuds, like we mentioned with the uh, humanity and the Batarians. And then other times there are direct confrontations like the first contact war between Turians and humanity and the Council in both instances tried to act as a mediator and resolve the differences. Turians and and the latter were ultimately ordered to pay reparations for their force against and their, their occupation against Shanxi, because if we remember the human colony of Shanxi, the Turians were wiping out entire city blocks from orbit just to take out single strike teams of Marines. And yet there's this clear cut conflict mediation authority that they have, because who else could fill that role? But there's also the council passing binding resolutions laws and treaties that all species who wish to be included in the Galactic Society must abide by. So it's very, very specific. Now we're getting very into like the weeds like these are Mm -hmm. overarching laws that are binding and everyone has to agree to them. And we can get into the specifics next episode. But the point is that the council does have this power. They've proven it over and over and over again, and they have this power to pass laws that require, like, it's not an option. They require the adherence across different species governments.
3: Right. And and if they refuse?
2: Uh, Well, a couple of different things can happen. Um, one, if they refuse in a very belligerent way, I suppose they could face direct military engagement. Just ask the Krogans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they refused to abide by council order to withdraw from Lucia, an Asari colony because the Krogan were attempting to colonize what was already colonized. Um, and thus the uh, the Specters, one of the enforcement branches of the Citadel Council, they uh, they decided to strike at the Krogans and that launched the Krogan rebellions. So there there is a repercussion if you don't abide by some of these things. There's and, and the specters in the SCG are kind of macro interworld level repercussions that they can they can use on ne'er-do-wells and also people that just don't recognize their authority uh, within what Citadel space is considered. There's also CSAC on a micro level micro local policing level. But the other thing that can happen is something that happened to the Batarians. Ultimately, the Batarians kind of did it to themselves, but it's not like the council is sending diplomatic corps out there and constantly trying to get them to open up. There's, there's a big problem here where you can, and they've done it to the Khorians, This the council can effectively exclude them from the galactic economy, the galactic culture sphere, the media, you name it. And this is weirdly relevant today. (laughs) It it really is. Yeah. Today, on March 14th, 2022, um, that, you know, we, I think there was a huge misconception for a long time. Like, oh, okay, well, you can exclude us from the economy, but what does that matter?
3: Right. Right. But yeah, in a everybody's connected now, global economy, that really does freaking matter. Like, oh, yeah, like we're seeing the proof of that in just like the last three weeks with the, the Russian conflict that if I mean, that that just shows the power of corporate, like just corporations now. I mean, for better or worse, that just shows the and power the of corporations and, and world banking, like uh, together, all of these corporations have decided well, we don't like what Russia is doing, so we're going to pull out or we're just going to cut off business. And if enough of them do it, then the money is now worthless.
2: Yeah. Boom. And done. so when you get excluded, not just from corporations, but from other states as well, and when I say state, I mean like like the state, like the concept of government. Right. Um, when you get excluded from other governments like that, you know, and, and you've been ostracized, and so much of your economy is reliant on being a part of the outside world, and not just that, but like, there's a psychic toll, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you're excluded to that degree, I think herein lies the real power of the Citadel. And I think the Asari know this intrinsically Yeah, and the Asari are not afraid to wield it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Look at what has happened to
2: the Corians. I mean, they've been ostracized They're Of course they've been kicked off their home planet by the geth, but, and not only are they nomadic, but they don't have really anywhere to go in Citadel space because the council hasn't allocated them a world. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And this is amazing because so much of what we see in Mass Effect is written based on historical precedents. And we talk about this all the time. You know, like this is an example from ancient Rome. This is an example from, the, you know, history of Chinese Empire or whatever. Right. Like, but this right here, this idea that the council can wield power due to financial and culture and media and these kinds of things. We haven't seen that play out until right now and the fact that this was written over a decade ago like they predicted this in the storyline like that's really freaking cool they're like no in a system that's this integrated where all of these races cultures peoples have to work together and all of their economies are tied together, then if you ostracize one of those economies, one of those groups in all of these ways, it will have a toll. That is a legitimate threat to those people. And so, yes, that that is something that you can wield against them if they do not comply. You don't and have this to is... wield military might. You can wield these other things.
2: This is applicable in our world. And we don't even
3: have a one world currency yet. Right, right. But we, we don't need one because our, our currencies are so tied together at this point. Right. But Mass Effect does. Yeah. In the
2: Citadel space, there is a one galactic currency. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episode. Um, But before before we go on, there's also, you know, we've talked about the executive branch with the specters and the military engagement. We've talked about a legislative branch uh, responsibility that the the, the council apparently has. uh, But the judiciary is really really confusing for me. And this is a conversation that I've had with uh, actually one of our patrons, Syke. Um So Psych runs a uh, tabletop RPG podcast, and it's about CSEC. So Psych reached out to me and asked me, hey, what do you think about the, the judiciary system in Mass Effect and in Citadel space? And I struggled to find an answer because if we're being honest, like, we don't really know a lot. Um, I looked up, you know, what I could find about the judiciary, and f- from what I see, it looks like there are trials that are held where people are judged by trials of their peers. Whether or not that's purely for criminal purposes or not, whether or not people are extradited from the Citadel to their home world or to their own government's jurisdictions, I'm not sure what happens if someone's born on the Citadel. Do they become a citizen of Citadel space? Are they do they have like a Citadel black passport? You know what I mean? Yeah. there are a lot, a lot of different, uh, you know, things that can happen like that. And so psych and I had a, be- a pretty good conversation about that, and I'm sure he's going to tie a lot of that into his, uh, blue shift podcast. And, uh, so, yeah, but from what, from what I can tell about the Citadel council, having a hand in the judiciary, I don't know if there's enough in lore to definitively state any extent of that.
3: Yeah. That's a good question. So, um, so we'll go into more of this stuff on the next episode that wraps up this episode. Um, man, this is some really interesting stuff. And and again, I think it's really cool that they, they saw the writing on the wall in our own system to be like, okay, if you extrapolate this out to an intergalactic system, then this would be kind of the way you could kind of play stuff out. So, yeah, you could call Drew Karpish a prophet, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. Uh, Pretty, pretty cool. Well, you got anything else you want to share before we head out?
2: Yeah. um, You know, as always, I am streaming every Saturday, Monday and Thursday. Had to skip today to actually focus on this episode, but I am going to be streaming, you know, back on Mondays again. If you'd like to catch one of my Mass Effect streams on the weekends or some of my other streams, uh, then find me on Twitch at In7TheLegend or on Twitter in seven the legend
3: awesome my streams are all on uh the robots radio channel so twitch at Twitch.tv slash Robots Radio or YouTube.com slash C slash Robots Radio. That's where this show is streamed on Monday nights now, starting at 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific. I just recently launched the uh, Lord of the Rings lore cast. The third episode went up today. We're talking about the Valar, Valar, all of the Valar, that's singular. And um, they're the powers that created the world and all that stuff. Very cool stuff. I love the Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth lore all of that so if you're into that then go check that out on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on and um, In the spirit of Lord of the Rings. This is this is funny Sam. I decided to uh, Log back in because I never really gave it a fair shake to Lord of the Rings online which came out in 2007 and has barely been updated since then. I mean, they keep on creating more content for it because it's still like a live game with like a very small, but like really, really dedicated fan base. And I created and I might stream this. I, I might stream it just random times at this point. Who knows? Um, but I created a hobbit and I noticed all the different hairstyles. And one of the hairstyles had like really swoopy hair like this. And I named him Emo. <laughs> Emo That's the, the Hobbit. Oh, my God. It's like playing World of Warcraft, the game, like original, not like updated World of Warcraft with better graphics and all the stuff that they've been continually updating World of Warcraft, like not 2022 World of Warcraft. This is like playing 2007 World of Warcraft. This game looks so freaking old. Um But, oh, my God, it's a trip. Anyway, I might have to stream it so you guys can see That's- what it looks like. Quite the throwback,
2: and I yeah. thought for sure that you were going to say that you created an orc and while we're <laughs> on the, she could. Well, while, while we're on the topic of, of, of throwbacks and orcs, and I am actually on Thursdays, I'm streaming Morrowind and I made this character. It's an orc his name's turd Ferguson <laughs> nice and his nice. class is a turd monger and the whole head cannon that I've <laughs> that I've wrapped up for this guy is that he hides in the bushes waiting for enemies and then when they when enemies stroll by he's not particularly like skilled in combat but he'll jump out of the the bushes covered in feces screaming and mm. naturally um <laughs> and uh that will be enough to normally scare off enemies and for for the ones who aren't he has a, a pointy spear and he's also so quite adept at uh, at uh, summoning
3: scamp armies. So that's very, very <laughs> threatening. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I might play him uh, at some point on the stream, but we'll see. Um, but, yeah, that's what I got going on. Everything you can <laughs> all of my shows, all of the shows on the network, everything can be found at robotsradio.net. And um, <laughs> that's what we got going on. But uh, we'll be back in just a minute if you're in the live stream to record the next episode. And if you are waiting for that on the pod cast feed it will be it'll be up in just a few days later on this week so we'll be back thanks for being here and until next time uh just follow the rules if you're part of citadel government because otherwise who knows they might lay the smack down and then make fun of you on their social media because i guess they can do that all right see you guys next time later Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.